episode of Fratello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt on Main, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi, coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Hey, Balash, how are you today? Hey, Mike. I'm good, man. How are you? Not bad. The, uh, the sun has been shining here in Germany oh, for yeah. days in a row now, which is oh, yeah. not normal. But it's very cold in the evening, huh? It's like minus uh, three, four at night, and then it's like 10 in the, uh, during the day. It is, yeah. Crazy. And, you know, I was in the UK this past weekend, and mm. timing is everything, you know, because the weekend before, of course, they were having those gale force winds, like kind of like we were, but there it was obviously <laughs> really pronounced and all over, all over the news with the plane landings and Heathrow. So mm. I was very happy not to have hit upon that and to actually come back to Germany and have nice sunny weather. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, spring is here. I know it's, you know, it's not here yet, right? Because it's just mid-March and I don't know it's the actual time, but 1st of March to me is spring. 1st of April, my shorts are coming out and they're not leaving until the end of September. Better believe it, buddy. Kurt say Jose. Oh yeah. All the way. <laughs> <laughs> All the way. Yeah. I'm with you. That's cool. So... Mm. Nice. Well, we, we're gonna we're gonna get to it here today. Mm-hmm. We've we've got a little bit of news to share, and then we've got uh, our Han Galeng's controller, and then uh, mm-hmm. we are going to get into Certina, which yeah. not to uh, avoid the topic that we received from one of our faithful listeners about chronograph movements. We will come back to that. Just yes, quite it's in the f- making. Yeah, quite frankly, we've been busy. We're gonna be busy. With travel the next several weeks, and we may not get to it for a couple episodes, but this one requires little research. I, I know both you and I have experience with different legendary chronograph movements, so we can certainly speak to our tactile experience, but we want to mm-hmm. give a little bit more history and information on these as well. Yeah, so. indeed. Indeed. We'll, we'll come back. I think we both started our research and, and, um, um, yeah, we're not we're no experts. I mean, I'm not a watchmaker at least, but I've had just as you said, I have I've had some experiences with these ones, so it's definitely going to come um, soon. But yeah, let's hit the news yep. first, and then move on to the rich all right. Team. So, news. Do you want to kick us off, Balash? Yeah. So uh, this is obviously a watch podcast, and it always will be a watch podcast, and we're not going to be political at all. But obviously. Uh, this we're recording this on Friday in the previous week when it comes out on the Tuesday. And of course, everybody knows what's happening in the world right now. And, um, um, for someone who's, uh, Hungarian, which is a neighboring country of, of Ukraine and, um, who's sadly, or, or I don't know, it's just, I've been, I've been following the news since then. Um, uh, this is really heartbreaking what's happening, um, especially with the refugees, with the families, and, and mostly women and kids. Hungary has a very small border with Ukraine. I think it's probably the same as Slovakia. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, Poland has an, a huge, and Romania, a huge uh, border. So um, this this <clears throat> influx of refugees is just heartbreaking to see. So there's a, there's a lot of things happening in the watch community. Um, I would say community and not industry, albeit I think that's now um, – I'm not sure what's the right term, Mike. You can correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But anyways, in the watch community, so there's a bunch of things online, a bunch of charities, a bunch of um, initiatives. And um, we would like to ask you to to keep an eye on social media, keep an eye on um, on online um, happenings, and you will see a bunch of – a bunch of charities and a, and a bunch of great things happening by by great people. So yeah, so the one thing that uh, I'm involved and quote unquote involved is um, I did a post on my private Instagram. It was just a mock-up of two watches. Um, obviously, it has nothing to do with the brand. It has everything to do with uh, the fact that we should um, yeah raise awareness 
um, and and spread love and support. And then uh, this there is this Instagram account and obviously business, the art of horology. It's more of a business than an Instagram account. But anyways, um, the guys there reached out to me and they they wanted to use this post that I did, this mock up that I did, as inspiration for a a, um, a sticker. Um, and um, you can buy the sticker on their site, <clears throat> excuse me, and the proceeds go to, obviously, 100% of the proceeds go to um, a charity. I'm, I'm not quite sure which one I have Let's to save check the, Save the children. Yeah, save the children, indeed. Um, so uh, the first batch is now online. Um, quite a lot is sold already. Um, a lot of people shared it, and thank you, all of you. I don't want to name anybody, but you know who you are. Um publications and and private persons who shared this um and um yeah this is just one as i said there's i'm sure there's a lot of things in the making um this is this is um to me it's a very cool um initiative and i'm happy to be part of it as much as i am part of it not really much because the guys at the art of horology did uh, the heavy lifting but um yeah um this is a little tiny thing that you can like you can do and and um support this this um great cause yeah well thanks polish for bringing that up and as you mentioned there are a number of different uh, brands out there auctioning off special pieces and things like that with all the Mm -hmm. proceeds going to various charities so if that interests you hunt around and and you'll find things so yeah and and i'm sure as this develops um there will be there will be other opportunities but for certain challenging times, challenging times. Yeah, So absolutely. So with that, shall we move to our Hangalinks controller? Yes. Would you like to go first this week, Balash? Because I, I went go. first last time. Yeah, I can, well, I don't even remember that. I can go first. So this week we're going to talk about Certina. So I thought that I'm going to wear um, a psycho today. <laughs> 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 Noah, <laughs> actually, um, you and I chatted about King Cycle the pr- this week or the previous week, and that made me pull out my King Cycle. But then, um, I, and then I'm writing a strap review, so I put one of the straps on the, the King Cycle, and then uh, I, I thought, well, why not pull out the Grand Cycle? So I'm I, I only have one uh, King Cycle to date and i have one grand cycle and the one i have is the um the 54 i'm um, sorry the 56 56 46 mm-hmm. uh with with a which is a high beat grand cycle with a day date feature um and i sh- should know the date uh, i cannot uh, tell you by heart because it's been a while since i checked it but help me out this one. What what should be the the decade of this watch? So the 56, 70s. 46, 7, 10. I yeah. believe 70s. Yeah. So it's um it's a, f- a fairly interesting watch because um well first of all because it's a it's a grand cycle, an early grand cycle, an automatic movement with a with a day date feature, as I said. And uh you have one, Mike? I do not have a grand cycle high beat. I have the um 44 GS reissue SBGW 047 from 2013. Okay, so yeah, it's a completely different one. So the reason I ask you is because this one has this this interesting case shape where the or rather lock shape where the the top of the case is flat, Mm -hmm. so there is no um, round curvature between the locks. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if it's because it was sold on a bracelet. Um, I've only seen a couple. I haven't done any research, to be honest, but I've seen a couple of these. I think Stephen from Hodinki had one or has one, and he posted his a few times, and his his is also on a strap. So it's basically like a small, like a typical Grand Cycle or King Cycle cushion kind of cushion shaped case, but the the top at the and the bottom of the of the case between the lugs is not it's curved; flat. it's flat. Yeah. So this is um, very similar, actually, to the forty four GS that I own. And at least in the style, and this is really where for for people buying these, that transition between the flat area then to the sides of the case, you just have to be 
very, very careful not to buy one that's been polished because a th- that flat piece should be a matte finish, whereas the sides are are polished. Uh, but that transition should be sharp, and that really shows yep. off what Grand Seiko was doing back then and continues to do today. Mm-hmm. So mine is, I don't think it's polished. It's definitely seen better days. <clears throat> the top part is, it looks brushed, like vertically brushed, but maybe I'm wrong. No, that's right. And the sides are are polished. And then um, I like the little details, like the hands, these very, very thin uh, black hands and the, the obviously the Grand Cycle logo on the crown. So um, I think it's a, a bit different than yours because you, yours got the sword hands or this kind Correct. of thicker hands. Yeah, this one is a very, very thin, tiny hand and long black uh, indexes. So it's a, a 35, 36 millimeter piece, yeah. um, which could look funky on, on somebody with a larger wrist, but like me, but I really don't mind. My grunts, uh, sorry, my King Psycho is pretty much the same. Maybe the logs are a bit longer. But um, it's a lovely watch, and um, obviously it's, the, it's a high beat, a great movement. Um, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my watch. I've been wearing it for the last two three days. That's a great pick, and thank you. To give a little bit of uh, foreshadowing to the listeners, needless to say, Balash and I have been a little bit busy on the King Seiko Grand Seiko front recently, with the help of our friend Eric in Japan, and we'll leave it at that. Yeah for the time so, being. Yeah. So what's what's on your wrist? Dude? So on my wrist is a watch that arrived yesterday. And this is <clears throat> also not a Certina, but it starts with a C. It's a Citizen. Mm. And I posted this on Instagram yesterday. It was really the first post I, I've done in almost a month. I've, I took a break. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that, yes. Yeah, and this is a, a pretty rare watch. This is a Citizen Homer and the Homer series is nothing overly special. It was a, a line of manual wind watches that used Citizen's typical 17-jewel movement. And typical of Japanese watches during that period, most dials were white or silver. This one has a an incredible glossy black dial with these mm-hmm. big, massive uh, loomed indices and dagger hands that are loomed and it's really a cool watch and the the dial style itself is often seen with a date function and this one does not have a date. I, I have to laugh because <clears throat> I saw this one online in Japan at my favorite auction site there and I think I was out doing something and I forgot about it that I wanted to bid on it and I was chatting with Eric and I said, oh no, I said, I think I've forgotten. Well, my favorite auction site in Japan has a rule that if you someone bids within the last 10 minutes of an auction, it just keeps extending it. And it was extended past its time of ending. And therefore, I had the opportunity to step in. And it was kind of sad because there were these two dealers just warring with each other, literally raising in like $5 increments. And mm-hmm. I just came in and I laid in a bid that was like 200 bucks above that just to sort of blast them out. And I ended up blasting them out. So mm. I, uh, I, the watch arrived and it had a cracked crystal, wasn't running. And I knew all this, um, but we sent it to James Marion and he took a look at it and it turned out that, yeah, that crystal was fairly tough to find and it's quite a top hat crystal. So yeah. There was that, the movement had some issues and I went back to Eric and using the movement or the uh, model number, I found a white tiled kind of boring version that was a little bit beat up and, you know, had to just buy it for, I think 80 bucks and send it. And thankfully that did the trick and it, it was, it's tougher than Seiko because there's just not a lot of Western information on citizens. So thankfully the, uh, model number was was really what I used to get me there. Uh, so anyhow, it's it's running beautifully. I've had it running nonstop, and it's really not lost any time in you know thirty six hours. So cool watch. Yeah, very cool. So it's been a long project coming to an end finally. Yeah, which is more and more the case. Um, I, I don't mind it anymore. I think neither you and I suffer for a lack of things to to wear. So. 
if something takes three, four, five months to get right, then you just sort of, you just do it because who else is going to do it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, now, yeah. That's a cool, that's a cool watch. I, I, I was uh, checking out the second picture and this, it really is a crazy, uh, crazy crystal. So, yeah. And so tall. And actually I think, you know, when we get to Certino right now, we can just segue to that. The, the citizen I'm wearing reminds me a little bit of one of the watches that, that I'll end up talking about. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Certina, Certina is, uh, I'll, I'll just give like the two minute rundown on the brand. I, I did some very cursory research and turns out they were founded in 1888 by a couple brothers. And you could confirm this. Were, were, were they always called Grana before they changed the name to yeah. Certina? Yeah. They were called Grana in the beginning. And then I would believe around the early 50s. 1939, I heard. I read. Yeah, they read, they they uh, used the two name, I think, concurrently for a while. And then after a while, I think after the 40s, they left the Grana name and then from the late 40s, early 50s. I could be wrong. They they used uh, Certina exclusively. Okay. Something like that, yeah. And a couple other key points. Uh, the DS name, which you, mm-hmm. you like to talk about and yeah. is currently back in production. Yes. The DS or double security, meaning waterproof and shockproof, was uh, brought out in 1959. And then in 1983, they became part of what ultimately became the Swatch Group. So those were the historical points I wanted to bring up. And with that, we're going to do what we did the other week with Tiso, And we're going to talk about some of our favorite models. And you, uh, knowing what you're going to talk about, have once again been more the student of the game here in terms of variety and i stick to one theme although it is not chronographs this time you can probably guess what it'll be yeah probably divers probably which is which is uh which is a a, a rabbit hole when it comes to certino absolutely yeah. so um, why don't you kick us off okay um so my first watch um i have a few because i have this thing for hungarian air force of course and for some reason which I still don't know why the Hungarian Air Force used a bunch of Certinas um, in the 70s. So I, I had one a few uh, episodes ago, which was this special one uh, with the Eterna case and the Chrono Olympic dial mo- uh, made for the helicopter pilots. And then they also use other Chrono Olympics and things like that. But the one that I picked now is the one that I think probably used the most often. And this is, but that's not the reason I picked it. The reason I picked this one is because it's um it's a funny case shape, uh, funny size, and I think you don't see it really too often in collections, vintage collections. And this is the Argonaut, Certino Argonaut line. And um, not only that, but I picked the model that I have, um, but. Before I go into that, um, I just say a few words about the Argonaut line as a whole. It was made between 68 and 72, so only four years, very short period of time. And all of the watches that came out were were all no-date models. They were either two or uh, three Mm -hmm. sub-register chronographs. All of them were chronographs um, with Volju 23 X or 72X movements. I use X because they use 726, 728, sometimes Wolju 23, sometimes Wolju 236, etc., etc. And and there are some identical models to the Argonauts. Um, Some were called timers, and there were some others without name, so no name or no no model uh, name, Sartinas. But the uh, the Argonauts were... um, they always had Argonaut on the dial at the six o'clock position. Um, at the twelve, you have Certina, and then at the six, you have Argonaut Chronograph. And I'm just wondering, Mike, do you know where the name Argonaut comes from? Because I didn't. Jason and the Argonauts. Uh, yes, basically, it's it comes from 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 Greek, and mm-hmm. they, these were heroes, obviously, um, who accompanied Jason. Um, during the Trojan War, on his on his quest, and the name of the ship was Argo mm-hmm. or Argus, 
And so the Argonauts were the people uh, on the ship. How is that connected to Certina? Don't ask me. Or to Chronograss? I have no idea. Now, one thing that's worth mentioning is that the Argonaut that I'm talking about, uh, the the, um, the Air Force one, it's not a special made watch. Uh, I think the Air Force just bought a bunch of watches and used them. There is no inscription on the case back. There is, it's not a private label, nothing. It's just a regular production model. And mine is the reference 84 zero one zero zero one which is the very first reference um it's the it's the volju 23 so it's a two sub dial model uh, usually argonauts were either black so either uh panda or reverse panda um <clears throat> this one is um, a black dial with the white sub dials um and it's a two register volju 23 chronograph yes. Is this the squarish dial or squarish case with exactly. the red, the red lines within the right sub register? Exactly. So the case is this very strange, kind of square, kind of maybe resembles cushion because it's a bit curved, but it's still square. Um, with I think it's twenty millimeter lug sizes, mm-hmm. um, and the cases, the watches are are thirty eight, thirty nine by forty two millimeters. Um, with the pushers kind of hidden in the case a bit, so they're they're not sticking out too much. And some of them came on a bracelet. I mostly see it on a strap. Um, I don't know, I don't know what the what the the bracelet reference number was, but um, this mine is actually on a on a on a strap. And um, so usually it was either black, as you said, with the white subdials, and the three o'clock subdial had these red um, scales or red. Um, Maybe only decorations with like a five minute uh, scales, yeah. yeah. With the with a black uh, bezel printed, a tachy bezel printed on the dial, then you could see the same one, same black dial with white tachy bezel printed, and then you would also have the inverse, so white dial with black tachy bezel, and then you would have the three sub dial versions for the obviously the Volger seventy twos in black or in white. So there's a there's a bunch of versions, and then I think there's also a special one called the Argonaut Chrono 200 meters, which is which doesn't mm-hmm. look anything like all the other ones. The case shape is the same, but it has a large 60 minute rotating bezel. It almost looks like a, a diver. It's amazing looking chronograph. Yeah, it's a, v- a very special one. Also the the I think the hands were much thicker. They they look like Doxa hands, if you ask me, like a Doxa sub yeah. hand. Whereas the other hands look a bit like the Zenith A386 hands, don't they? Yes, yes. The thinner uh, with a loom um, tip, basically. The the inside of the, the hand is split where the loom should be split like two-thirds and then one-third in the tip is, is just where the loom is. Hmm. Um, and little red chronograph hands and then the increments in the three o'clock um, sub-dials on the black one and on the white one as well. Where, the, where there's a red increments in the black subdial. So I think these are really super interesting and funny models. Um, I, I like the movements. Obviously, who doesn't like a Volju 23 or a 72 sure. movement? And they are relatively, I would say, easy to find mm-hmm. and probably not the most expensive. Now, obviously, it's a subjective issue, but um, especially the two, the two subdial versions are, are you know relatively easy to find. Yeah, I, I this brings back memories now because I feel like when I was in my the heyday of my chrono collecting, so several years back, this was a watch that would pop up all the time, and I was very close to picking up a Valju seventy two version on bracelet, and I don't know why I didn't. I think it was just maybe the case shape was just a bit too funky for me, and I questioned whether I'd really wear it, but. Hmm. I own a couple funky case-shaped watches from that period, and I think that prime person is pretty neat. So, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it's it's pretty easy to wear. I have to say, um, I was I had the same feelings when I first saw it. I didn't like the case shape. I thought ah, this is maybe not the best, but but it's thin, um, about twelve millimeters, so it's very easy to wear. Yeah, I. So. I I, I'm I'm just taking a, a quick look. I mean the, you know the uh, 200 meter version. Well, there's a version here with without that case. So whether it's real or not is well over six thousand. But the chronographs themselves, 
I think you're right. I think you're talking still in the 1500 to 2000 range, right? For yeah, some. yeah, I would say. And then they also did time only models. I'm talking about the chronographs. There, there were some Certina Argonauts. I think they were called Argonaut two, 200s or 220s. Um, so there's there's other models out there, but with a similar case shape. But um, I'm this time I'm focusing on the chronographs. Yeah, cool yeah. piece. Very Thank cool. you. Thank you. So what's uh, what's the first one on your maybe diver list? <laughs> My definite diver list. So <laughs> the the first one I'm going to mention is Certina's, if I'm not mistaken, their first diver, which is the DS fifty six hundred one, and. You probably know this better than I do, yeah. but it looks like there's an O13 and a 113. One is with bezel and one is without bezel. And this is, uh, I think, has to be amongst the first DS watches as well, because I think they're, you know, late 50s to, to early mid 60s. And this is a really, really cool looking watch. And I think this was actually before these early ones, they're, with this style, I think there are models with the turtle case back and those without, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. but we're, we're really talking about watches that are, uh, in the, in the same realm as things like the, uh, you know, the Gruen, um, uh, ocean chief, the, you know, the Mm -hmm. Breitling super ocean and kind of what I would call highly styled divers that, really are almost elegant when you look yeah. at their cases, right? They're yeah. beautiful cases, amazing dials with all kinds of radium on there and just tons of character. And, and the, the early models of these, and, and I'm no Certina historian on what's right and what's not, but it seemed like uh, even the sweep hand was loomed. So it sort of reminds me, when you look at really early Hoyer Ottavias, when all the hands are basically all loom and everything's just loomed and loomed and loomed, that's what these remind me of. And and just the the three six nine twelve uh, indices are incredible. They're they're just unlike anything else I've really seen. And the um, just reading about it, I guess Hugen and Frères. Sorry for my French there. I believe did the case work, so that's a well known name. Gay Frères, I think, was the bracelet provider. And the movement was a 25-65. And you would know this better, Balash, but, or, or maybe, uh, did they do their own movements? For this one, I'm not sure. The, 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 we can always look it up, but I think not. Okay, but I could be I could be wrong. I know that the chronographs they use Venus ones and they use Volsius. Not I'm not sure about the time only ones. I think I think it is because I'm on our favorite uh, site Ramped, and Mm -hmm. it does not seem to link to another movement. And yeah, so so really just a a gorgeous watch. I think it's one of those that is so rare that it often gets forgotten. And mm. people don't think about it. So again, kind of in that whole, yeah, early Breitling Super Ocean or Gruen yeah. Ocean Chief, it just fits in that sort of oddball diver moment from the late 50s, early 60s. And I see them for sale every so often for 5K, 7K. I think a, they really are sort of all over the place but to me yeah not not an inexpensive watch but at 36 millimeters very wearable and i would i'd be i'd be interested in picking one of these up honestly yeah they give me the the pole router vibe a bit the case shape i don't Mm -hmm. know why it kind of reminds me of that yeah the lug design you're right yeah the lug the the it kind of looks a bit like a pole router as well but uh, yeah, these are these are the, the the very first models. I mean, the first reference I think was the fifty one oh one oh thirteen, and then there were some some others um, until they they obviously started to to use the DS, and then all the crazy divers came, which I'm sure you're going to mention. But um, these are uh, there's a bunch of models um, 
from this era and some of them are cheaper some of them are only a few hundred obviously not this one but um and then there was also uh an 18 karat gold version which is which looks a bit like um, a constellation an old mm-hmm. constellation if you ask me but uh, yeah it's a beautiful watch and historically quite important at least for certina and at least for certina's uh, diver or diving heritage for sure yeah, and I, I struggle, Balash. The, the O13, again, is without bezel, and the 113 is with bezel. And I like the one without bezel just as much mm-hmm. as the one. It, it, it's just a, you know, they, they call it a diver, but it's, okay, it's just more of a sporty watch. I don't know what the difference was in the case or if, if there was a water resistance difference. That's, again, it, no bezel. It's not really a diver, but it's a pretty epic looking watch. Yeah. Yeah. Quite, so. quite, quite probably Bakelite bezel as well. No? Um, I've that's, seen, that's I believe an inlaid bezel and I've seen, um, Baker, or yeah. Or, or like that, like acrylic. I don't know what it was, but, um, something. So yeah, again, I, I think there are variants here and I'm not wise enough, but, just to give the listeners out there, yeah, look at these early Certina DS divers, 5601, 013, or 113. Pretty neat. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on to my next pick, which is um, an equally funny watch as the first one, my pick, I mean, was. Um, and this is not a chronograph, although it has... Uh, a funky feature, and that's the Certina Biostar. Oh, yeah. Now, <clears throat> a Biostar is supposed to measure your biorhythm, right? And that's the whole idea behind it. And I have no idea what the bio... I mean, I do know. I, I did my research on the biorhythm, but I'm not here to explain how, how what it is and how <laughs> it is. I think this is a concept that that since then has proven to be false or at least not the most accurate when it comes to um you know measuring or 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 kind of monitoring the way your body works but in any case the biostar was a, a very interesting concept it's a very cool concept and it's basically um it's not a watch that you can pick it up and just use the 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 complication because you have to set the movement uh to your i think to your birth date or something so you have to open the watch open the case back and and set the the movement so it it needs some some watchmaking wizardry to be honest to be able to use the complication and i think most people if you have this i'm i'm not sure if they if they have done it so it's just like a um just an aperture on the dial but in any case it's a time only watch basically where you have um a, a date window at the three o'clock position and it's kind of a, a double date window, right? Because you can you can almost see the the previous date or the next date, sorry, as well coming. But then there's also an aperture um, um, below the the twelve o'clock position, which is like a half circle, like a th- one third of a circle, and with a bunch of numbers. This is where you see your biorhythm or the hmm. calculation of your biorhythm. Um, there weren't many watches. Uh, made um, by Certina Biostar watches. There was one which was a manual wind version. It was the very first one, and that was made between sixty-five and seventy, and which is when it came to the market, nineteen sixty-five. And that was a manual wind watch. And then from seventy-one, they went with uh, the electronic watches, and it was called uh, or quartz watches. It was called Biostar Electronic. And from seventy-one until seventy-four, they produced these these other models. Now. There's only two references for the Biostar electronic uh, wristwatch. And then there's one reference for a pocket watch. And there's one reference for a desk clock. Wow. So, yeah. Um, I have not seen any Biostar uh, manual wine for sale. But I checked the usual suspects, Chrono24 and eBay. There are five watches uh, listed on Chrono24, um, four of them being a wristwatch, two gold-plated and two steel. One comes in original bracelet and hang tag and, and box. And there's also one pocket watch. And the price is around six to 800 euros, which I think is pretty funny. It's uh, it's not too expensive. 
Um, this is the the Thomas Rosputinsky type of watch. Uh, <laughs> and I and I have a comment on that. In fact, I, I sent him a mail once. You told me what you're going to talk about, and I said, Thomas, why don't you have one of these? And he uh, quietly replied back that he lost an auction on one last year. So it is on his radar. Let's put it yeah, that way. Yeah, I, I, actually, I knew because our friend Eric Wind had one, and he he listed one on his Instagram page a while ago. And I think he also wrote a, a pretty a long caption about it, and that put the watch on my radar again. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a relatively inexpensive, fun yeah. vintage watch, uh, on eBay, there's three, but funnily enough, the eBay, two out of three is over a thousand dollars, which I think is a bit too much because those are also electronic ones. And there's one in a $600 uh, range also from, from, uh, Germany. So yeah, you can find them if you want to. And, um, it is, it is, um. It's an it's an interesting concept. It was the first, and I think is the only wristwatch um, which was able to read your biorhythm. So in this case, it's a it's a pretty rare uh, model and complication. And uh, that's my second pick. Nice. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I am going back to the well, literally, with a diver, and I'm moving forward in the DS uh, diver uh, chronology. And the one I picked is actually, to some degree, the inspiration for for a watch that Certina came out with. Was that our last Basel World or the second to last? I don't remember when the DS PH two hundred M returned. It was the yeah uh, no the second to last eighteen. It was the last one you and I were together. I mean twenty eighteen was that right? I believe yeah, yeah 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 when we went together yes. Which is a, I mean, just as an aside, Certina's making some fantastic watches these days and great, great prices too. I'm looking at the vintage uh, version of this. And just for those who want to look it up, it is reference 346.825. And that is the original Certina DS PH200M. And here again, not knowing my... Certina history very well. There are a couple options out here. I've seen a version with what looks like printed uh, stick markers and help me here, Balash, the early, the hands that are like the early uh, Seamaster 300s. Um, like a sword hand. Yeah, sword hand. Yeah. So so that is is one version that I saw, which I like. And and by the way, here again, this model, I've seen everything from aluminum inlay bezel to, you know, call it acrylic or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the model I actually like a little bit better, and it's a controversial topic or pick here, is the version with what looks like radial numbers. So basically... It has uh, numbers all around except for the three, uh, sorry, the six, nine, and 12. It has a date at three. But, you know, the other indices have a number that's basically following in the same, uh, in a circular shape. And I don't think I know another diver that really has numerals like that on, on its dial. So yeah, so again, this dial has normal indices at 6, 9, and 12, a date window at 3, and then the the other hour markers actually have numerals that are arranged in a radial manner. And yeah. I don't I don't know another diver that looks like this. Yeah, I think this is as far as I um Remember, this is not a, a 200. This was only a DS model because ah, P- you are P- correct. You are yeah, correct. Yeah, the PH200 came later. This is an old, earlier version, like early 60s. But it's definitely it has the same crosshair, the red crosshair on the dial. It has the bigger case shape. It has the rotating bezel. So it it has basically, and it's the DS. So it has basically all the, well, not all, but most of the the features that the, that the PH200M has. Uh, I would I would also put it in the same category or in the same because it carries factory. the same reference if I'm not mistaken the fifty six oh one something like that three four six point eight two five 
Could be. I I I think there's also the fifty six oh one and then zero thirteen one thirteen and whatever the case may be. I'm sure that the listeners will find it and you can also put it in the show note. I, to be honest, I know that our good friend Haroon has or had some of these ones. Maybe it was a DSPH 200 and maybe it was just a DS. Um, I remember seeing his Instagram and seeing the watch on the bracelet, uh, the original bracelet, which is as flimsy and and as uh, cheap, uh, feels as cheap as the early Omega 1039s or the Doxas for that matter. Um, But this is a, a super cool watch, I have to say. Super, super yeah. cool. And, and you're right. I have never seen, I don't remember. Okay, I'm not a diver, diver watch expert, but I've never seen a watch with these radial numerals where where I, I'm also thinking, isn't the two, like, I know it, it all go, yeah, it's, it's all from the outside. Because I thought that the two and the one I just maybe flipped, like you can, you know, see the two from the inside and all the others from the outside, but it's actually not. It's just the the topography of the yep. of the two looks very funky. You can always look, you almost, almost could look see. at both. Yeah, could look at both ways. Yeah. yeah. So just a unique watch, and I think that you know the the other version with the sword hands that the the two hundred M is a more traditional looking watch that really kind of looks like an Omega. Uh, it's great yeah. looking, great looking piece, but. This one to me, the uh, the DS, so the non two hundred M. But again, when I look up three four six dot eight two five, both come up, and I think that price wise, here again, we're talking in the four K range. Uh, mm. At least that's what I see them advertised for. I know that some of our our friends get them uh, at uh, at better prices from time to time. This watch sort of to to draw another comparison the watch that this kind of reminds me of is the uh favre luba deep blue mm-hmm. more similar size similar kind of look and also just another oddball diver right yeah yeah true true absolutely true yeah. um cool. yeah it's it's really a, a very very cool watch you don't really see that too often and um they said the price is not the cheapest but then again we're talking mid 60s um divers so it's uh it's inevitable that these rare rare dive watches rare sports watches are gonna uh command some high prices Mm -hmm. yeah so uh last one for me is the certina ea which is Mm -hmm. ea 5826 which has a, a very, very long story, and I don't want to get into that, but I suggest that you guys check out vintagesertinas.ch, which is a, a wonderful website made by a friend of ours called Pascal. Um, shout out to Pascal. And um, he has a, a very, very long story about the Certina e- EA. He has one. This is a, a vintage uh, 37 millimeter by 49 millimeter split or retropron chronograph watch uh, made by Certina. And they also made one without the EA. So I, there's also versions without the EA. But the one I'm talking about is around 37 millimeter case, uh, teardrop lugs, large um, loomed or like uh, radium or, or tritium, but probably radium, uh, covered numerals and um, Certina and EA on the dial at the 12 and a, a split second chronograph complication. So two chronograph hands and and three subdials at three, six, and nine. And basically there is um uh, a very long story how it it became what it is. It's as far as I understood, it's basically a US market model. And EA stands for Elgin American, which is Elgin is obviously a, a watch brand. So EA stands for Elgin American. The movements, <clears throat> excuse me, the movements were made in Switzerland. They use uh, Venus uh, 185 movements and they shipped the movements and the dials to America and it was cased in the US and the case is made by Elgin. So in one of uh, Pascal's pictures, you can see the case back and the case back says Certina EA, Illinois Watch Case Company. Elgin, Illinois, and then there's also the 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 uh, address there. So it's a um, um, a beautiful watch, a beautiful piece, great size. Um, I think it's a you know on a pinnacle of vintage watch chronographs. And you see some 
from time to time uh, on auctions. Usually, there's one in, at Antiquorum in 2016, which went for around 9K. Mm-hmm. There was another one in 2001, funnily enough, that also went for 9K. And there was another one recently by Antiquorum, which went for 13K, which was <laughs> only a Certina branded, not a Certina EA branded model. So this is not a cheap one. Um but it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful vintage chronograph, and of course, Rattrapan chronographs are are even more special for the for the complication that they have. No, be- beautiful watch, and I think kind of like we spoke with Tiso, some some of these rare chronographs from from these brands are just stunning looking, and obviously the prices reflect that, right? And I think. Uh, no, it's a great choice, and clearly, when I think of Certina, I think about dive watches. But it shows that there's more out there to to look at, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much, much, much more. So, yeah, with this uh, with this beautiful vintage chronograph, my list is complete. But what about your last pick? So, my last one is a diver, and honestly, I was um, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna choose a modern watch here, but I but I went for a vintage. Um, although I will say, and and you wrote it up, the modern version is really cool. The the Certina DS2 Super PH 500M is just a neat watch. It's a really really neat watch, and it's from if I'm not mistaken here 1968, and. Mm-hmm. This was, as as it states, a 500 meter watch, and it's a big honker, 43 millimeters by 48 by 16 and a half. And this watch was used in Tektite one and two, and these were the these were underwater experiments, I believe, in oof, if it was Virgin Islands, and yeah, 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 U.S. Navy, NASA. Um, GE, others were involved here. I'm looking at vintagecertinas.ch. And this was, you know, aquanauts living underwater and and all kinds of studies about what what the atmospheres do and and um yeah, two weeks of living in, in a habitat like that. So and and I, I think <laughs> this was a period of time where watches like you know, the, D, the Sea Dweller and Ploprof and other types of really funky experimental watches were were being created to you know, be used in these types of experiments and fascinating looking. So if th- this one has, if I'm not mistaken, a removable case back, but also the front crystal is surrounded by this interesting mechanism that i guess allows uh everything to be unscrewed correct yeah I, uh yes i think so yeah yeah and just a couple years ago certina came out with an orange version of this or a remake and now has a regular production black dialed model yeah. and i think you are pretty impressed with the orange model and whichever version you get yeah i got I both yeah, it's like a thousand bucks or something like that. It's really pretty impressive. Whereas the vintage models here again are in that five K range. Yeah, these are obviously, especially if you can get one that was actually at the Tektite experiment. Those are those are pretty expensive. And uh, again, Pascal from Vintage Sartinas, he has one. Um, I had the orange one, which was made for a German diving association. That's why it was orange, but it also had this bezel lock basically and then they they released one which was then black like the original uh a tektite had black dials and large orange uh, uh indexes and an orange hand this is a beast of a watch i i saw one um a few years ago it's really huge i think as you said the tech what what um so the this ph500m is what the plow prof was for omega mm-hmm. in a way Mm-hmm. And as such, uh, it's a yeah, it's yeah. It, 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 a very very special diver diver watch. I think in, in any diver's collection, you know, all the pro profs and sub three hundreds aside, and 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 submariners and whatnot. If you have this in your collection, that's that's actually pretty cool. I have to yeah, say. and I think like a lot of the watches we spoke about today, not not often in the mainstream conversation, right? 
Yeah, this is, I think it's, the, the funny thing about the watches, some of the watches we just talked about, this one, uh, the early DS, as you said, the Biostar, the EA, is not necessarily the looks, although that's also something special, but the story behind it. I mean, it's it's such a crazy story about the tech that experiment, the, all the watches building these these little capsules underwater and and people living in that. And I mean, I, I think they still do it. They, they, there is some still some kind of experiment by by astronauts when they put them underwater. Um, mm-hmm. I heard an astronaut talking John Rogan's podcast a few few years ago, and he talked about that. Um, obviously, it was different than the tech tide, but you know, this is this is such a crazy thing and and something that's not in the in a in a yeah the usual conversations when we talk about vintage watches. So, yeah, very well, cool pick. Yeah, well, thanks. So, folks, we are uh, we're at time today. We're a little bit uh, uh, constrained, and we hope you enjoyed our our discussion on Certina. We we certainly enjoyed looking up some watches that, like we just said, we don't speak about too frequently. And I think it's given me a new target when I'm doing some searches out there. Not good for my not good for my wallet, but uh, yeah, and. And, and please, I, I know we've got one reader suggestion to cover off, as we said, about chronograph movements. But if you've got anything else or are there any brands you'd like us to cover uh, going forward when we do these types of episodes, go ahead and, and let us know and we'll try to prioritize those. Any last thoughts, Balash, before we exit? Uh, no, I, I just want to encourage everybody to check out Sartina's website because there's a bunch of n- new stuff there. As you said, the, the DSPH200M received uh, a number of re-editions. Uh, also, the Tactide ones is a wonderful sports watches. And uh, by the way, this this episode, just like the previous one about Tissot, it has nothing to do with the brand in, a, in terms of uh, marketing or it's not a product placement. They did not ask us. They did not pay us. We just love these vintage watches and some of the modern watches. And that's why I'm saying if you like to get a sports watch, a vintage sports watch for a reasonable price, check out Sartino or even Tissot. Yeah. Thanks, Balash. And with that, Mike is out. Balash is out. Mm-hmm.